0: I thank those of you who have been praying for me for this. Um, As much fun as it is to be up here talking to you, it's never fun to follow Michael Dickerson. He's a great speaker, and I think last week he really uh, hit a home run. I don't see Michael here, or I'd uh, talk more about him, but uh, what a great uh, blessing he is to our teaching team, and I thank him for being on it. Um, So uh, I'm going to say another uh, quick prayer. Father, I thank you for the men here this morning. I thank you for the table leaders. I thank you for those who are responsible for setup that uh, these uh, men would choose to come together early in the morning to learn your word, to share your word, and to fellowship with each other. What a blessing that these choices are made. We know that you're here with us. We thank you for that. We ask for that inspiration to carry us through the day, through our week, till we meet again. Amen. So today's verses from James uh, talk about pride, humility, deception, perseverance, temptation. Um, Now since none of us have any problems with those things, this will be a nice quick talk, right? Um, Or is it just me? So um, I'll read it real quick. Um, But the brother of humble circumstances is to glory in his high position. And the rich man is to glory in his humiliation because like the flowering grass, he will pass away. For the sun rises with a scorching wind and withers the grass, and its flower falls off, and the beauty of its appearance is destroyed. So too the rich man in the midst of his pursuits will fade away. Blessed is a man who perseveres under trial, for once he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God for god cannot be tempted by evil and he himself does not tempt anyone but each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust then when lust is conceived it gives birth to sin and when sin is accomplished it brings forth death do not be deceived my beloved brethren every good thing given every perfect gift is from above coming down from the father of lights with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow in the excerpt of the word of truth, so that we would be a kind of first fruits among his creatures May God bless the reading of his word. The first verses of that passage, um, 9 and 10, give us a uh, lead off of describing people on opposite ends of the circumstance spectrum. Fortunately, on Sunday, we got a nice illustration of the uh, spectrum of circumstance. We have the brother of humble circumstances, and it's not showing up. That's a bummer. There's supposed to be a picture of Redskins logo there. <laughs> Contrasted with uh, what James might call the rich man, of course, America's team, the Cowboys at 2-0. and oh. Sorry the logos didn't show up. That would have been better. Don't worry. Don't worry, Redskins fans, uh, because as James tells us, God loves you too, and he has a plan for you. And, and oh, by the way, we cowboys fans uh, also know that uh, um, the scorching wind can come and the cowboys can fade away, as they've uh, done before, so uh, we'll, enjo- we'll enjoy it, we'll enjoy it while we can, and uh, we'll understand that we are uh, relying on God for all the benefits that happen in our lives. So these first couple verses, um, I'm, talk- I'm calling uh, your altitude versus your attitude. Where are you on the spectrum? Are you a brother of humble circumstances? Are you a rich man? Um, you need to have the right attitude in both circumstances. And, of course, we can kind of cover the spectrum here, even though the, uh, the word in the Greek that's used here, "tapeinos," means low, and it's talking about humility and humbleness. Um, this can bring forth feelings of failure, abandonment, shame. This is the danger of being in low or humble circumstances. Um, and you, you you could wonder, hey, maybe, maybe God doesn't even want me, right? This is a danger of someone being in that uh, end of the spectrum. Meanwhile, on the other spectrum, the rich man, James uses a word meaning at just literally lots of money, all right? Um, words for success in Greek, obviously. Why he chose the rich, I'm not exactly sure, but um, my interpretation that, such success, feelings of independence self importance can result, uh and then maybe you start feeling maybe need God. I don't know about you, but I am susceptible to this if i'm having sometimes I'm having just a really great day, things are working out materially for me, getting things checked off my list, finding a deal on that, getting a tax refund all of a sudden uh, i I'll, I'll get to a point where I think, gosh all of a sudden I'm feeling kind of proud. I'm feeling kind of successful. I'm feeling kind of like I'm doing it. That, I think, is a very dangerous place to be. We have to remember that we are reliant only on God for these blessings. Um, just have to remember that all these things are temporal, all the successes. Where where were you before Christ entered your life? Where will you be when that that's the grass that is your affluence, that is there are the blessings in your life? Likewise, if you're Feeling in humble circumstances, knowing that you can rely on God for your salvation. So your altitude and your attitude. If you're feeling low, be anchored in your salvation. Boast in that you are highly valued by God. If you're feeling rich, feeling up, understand that humility, not just to be aware of it, to boast in it. If we go back briefly to sort of a football analogy, you know, if, your te- if the team's up by three touchdowns at halftime, the coach isn't going into the locker room and saying, hey, great game, guys. We got it. Well done. He's saying, hey, we got to keep playing hard. We got to keep doing well. The arrogance that can come from success will lead, could lead you to play the game worse. And maybe you're not looking for a way to, to help a brother up. Maybe you're not looking for a way to employ your blessings into the furthering of God's kingdom. So don't let success impact how you play the game negatively. Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial, for once he's been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. This is someone who's pursuing an achievement that matters. This achievement is recognition that you've persevered. Now, when I read this passage, it made me think of another passage that's very important to me, 2 Timothy 4-6. through six, I consider this a life verse for me. For I'm already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time for my departure is at, na- is at hand. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is held up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award, not only to me, but to all those who have longed for his appearing. Now, one thing I, I want to point out, and I'm going to tell you how, why this is an uh, important uh, verse to me in a second, but it says up there, I've finished the race. And I, I think it's important just to note, it doesn't say I won the race. It doesn't say I was perfect during the race. It doesn't say I never stumbled. It doesn't say I I beat my uh, adversaries into oblivion. It said I persevered, I finished the race. And I think that's the important element here is that we strive. And James, um, you know, ties in with James's verse Blessed is the man who perseveres. Now, why is this verse so important to me? Again, we don't have a, a uh, graphic. That's, that's a real disappointment to me. <laughs> um, that's supposed to bring up a picture of my grandfather, uh, George H. Neal, who uh, was raised in a little uh, dusty town in West Texas. Everything you need to know about him, you can tell from this picture. Supposed to be there. He's uh, kneeling down by a riverbank holding a couple of bass on a stringer. And uh, he wears slacks and a dress shirt to go fishing. His cowboy hat with a couple of fishing lures in it. That's about all you need to know about George H. Neal. He's a man who loved the outdoors. Growing up in West Texas, born in 1899, it's always easy to remember how old Jack was. We call him Jack uh, because. One day when he was about 20 and he was in a new job in this little West Texas ranching town and he goes to the Rotary Club meeting and he sits in an empty chair and this lady who I kind of think of as the Margaret Thatcher of Sutton County is addressing all the young businessmen at the Rotary Club meeting and she calls him Jack and uh, he says well I'm George and she says well that's Jack's chair and he's not here today so you're Jack and it stuck. Um, so I'm named not after my grandfather, but perhaps quite appropriately some other guy who just didn't show up. <laughs> <laughs> but Jack Neal loved his family. Um, he went through plenty of trials. Uh, he was a working at a bank during the Great Depression in West Texas, not a rich area to begin with. Um, if you're familiar with uh, what we call the time, it never rained. In West Texas, about seven years, where they had a combined 12 inches of rain, um, that's that's a hard time, to again, to be a banker in a ranching community. Um, he lost a grandchild to suicide. He had a daughter break her back severely in an in a automobile accident. He had a child get divorced. Um, none of these things are all that unusual in a person's life. I'm not trying to hold my grandfather up as someone who suffered so much, right? Um, But they are uh, sufferings. And what I always know about my grandfather, in every situation, he's a man of peace. He's a man of wisdom. He's a man of grace. Plenty of times he could have let me have it. And what he'd always let me have was grace. And so I I honor him. And I ask, what are you striving for? What is the legacy you would like to leave behind? And I promise to... uh, Introduce that picture to future session. So um, James encourages us in trials not to fall prey to the temptation. These are the, the things we know uh, um, that we will have trials, we will have temptations. He doesn't say um, you can. There's some m- magic formula for avoiding them, um, but he doesn't want us to fall prey to them. Let no one say I'm being For God cannot tempt anyone, or for God cannot be tempted by evil, He does not tempt anyone. We are tempted when we're carried away by our own lust. Temptation's origin is my method, it's luring me, and its result is death. The word He uses here, deliazomenos, lured, as if I'm prey. Uh, We are lured by our lust. Well, if if we're prey, who's the predator? Right? Well, um, insert your name here. I like the way Sam alberry puts it in in our book uh, James for you he says we are both the agent and the victim of our desires I was talking about this with a, a buddy of mine at work who I often uh, consult when I'm preparing for these talks and uh, he's super knowledgeable of the Bible and we were talking we got on to uh, like 1 Corinthians 8, 9, I think, uh, don't cause a weaker brother to stumble in your freedom, right? And so uh, we were talking about the stumbling block, which, of course, there would be another picture of a guy carrying a giant rock. And uh, don't put that down in front of your friend, right? Don't cause him to stumble. And uh, my buddy said, <laughs> well, now I've got this big rock. What do I do with it? I might as well drop it right in front of myself, Right. Um, don't cause your brother to stumble. Be aware of this, of your own stumbling blocks, right? Paul writes in Romans 7, 15 through 20, wonderful verse of frustration. Um, that which I ought to do, I do not do. That that I d- should do, I don't do. That which I don't want to do, I do. What is it? It's evil working inside me that keeps me from doing not only what I ought to do, but also keeps me from doing what I want to do. That frustration, I feel like if Paul can be susceptible to, we can be forgiven as well a little bit for being susceptible. Um, Being aware that that comes from within us is uh, the important part of this passage. So who do you blame when you stumble? Who do you blame when you're tempted? Um, I, i my first, my nature is not necessarily to blame myself first, but I need to think about that. Why does temptation work so well? Why does it succeed? Well, it su- temptation succeeds when I'm willfully ignorant. Willfully ignorant of my brokenness, of my sin nature, of that living inside of me that's trying to keep me, to trying to make me stumble. And it's w- it succeeds when I'm willfully ignorant of God's nature. I think, he can't strengthen me. He won't lead me. He won't forgive me. These things I've done, these things I'm doing, I I don't see how he can stop them. That's just ignorant of God's nature because he is sovereign. He can and will help you and strengthen you, lead you through trials, and forgive you today, tomorrow, every day, every minute, if necessary. and We need only turn to him. Acknowledge our faults, ask for His forgiveness, and He's gracious to deliver it. So I ask: Are you deceived by God's, or deceived by your nature, or by God's? Know that you're broken. Know that He is holy and forgiving and gracious. So how can tem- how can we help temptation fail? Well, we can be deliberately mindful. What I would call the opposite of being willfully ignorant being deliberately mindful. Don't be deceived. Be deliberately mindful that in your brokenness, God's nature is to deliver a gift. Again, my brokenness, I might think of things that are beyond my control or aren't my fault. I'm, I'm, I've been knocked down. I'm laying in a ditch. Well, often my brokenness is really my denial or my rebellion. That's where I'm broken. But even then, even when I'm rebellious, even when I'm denying God, his nature is to to deliver this gift. If we are not deceived, we will know every good thing given, every perfect gift is from above, coming down, present tense, from the Father Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. And he brought us forth by this word of truth. This gift, if we are deliberately mindful, not deceived by our nature, by God's, we can receive this gift of new birth through the Word every day, every hour, every minute, whenever we need it. So what is our responsibility? Well, James writes, I, and I've picked out a few words here, "...in the exercise of His will, so that we would be a kind of first fruits among His creatures." the exercise of his will that sounds to me like god is resolved this is the word he's used here being resolved god has decided this is how it's going to go so that so that his intention is that we would be not might be but would be the first fruits the best the promise of a harvest to come this is what we turn over to god right our first fruits when the first fruits appear in the in the crop The farmer knows there's more coming. He is gracious. He is grateful. He gives his first fruits over to God. This is who we are to be to the world around us. We are the first fruits. We go out. We show what is to come. Can you be the best of the bunch? That is my presentation. I have some discussion questions for you. And I return you to your tables. Thank you for your attention.